Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of geek to me Radio. Today we'll be talking with the owner of Big River Comic Con, Debbie Logue, all about the event, where you can get tickets. Then we'll talk with actor Ryan Wichard about his role in The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, being sponsored by Dame Judi Dench, and more. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. Star Trek and Star Wars will try to explain There are drum doctors for Hogwarts houses on Ringworlds and Malls To be the greatest Pokemon master You must catch them all You must catch them all Try to catch them all Gotta catch And if you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing this on the big 550 KTRS, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're streaming this out there in the world, KTRS.com slash stream. Thank you for finding us there. And of course, if you're hearing this after the fact in the podcast form on anchor.fm, wherever you get your podcast from, thanks very much for tuning in, subscribing there. We're going to get into some stuff later on about more ways the show's expanding. But right now, we've got our first guest on the line, uh, Deborah Logue from Big Red. River Comic Con has a very exciting event. One of the things I missed so much during the pandemic was Comic Cons, all that uh, the getting together with people of a like mind, enjoying fandoms from across the spectrum and interacting with some of these celebrities. And Big River Comic Con is bringing you one of those here at the end of April. Here to talk about it more is Deborah Logue. How are you? I am good. How are you this evening? Doing well. Thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for inviting us. Anytime. So, like I said, it's always exciting. Uh, Comic cons are just a thing that I missed so much. And I'm I'm assuming with the pandemic still, we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But you must have had to jump through some hoops to get this uh, happening here at the end of April. Yes, we did. Um, We've been working with our local health department um, to ensure, you know, everyone's safety you know, 2020 shut us down, um, but we are rolling rolling ahead with this event, and everyone is super excited for it. So, and th- so this, how many years have you been doing this particular event? <laughs> okay, so our first event uh, was in 2019. Okay, um, we had 4,278 attendees show up. Um, 2020 did shut us down, so this is our second of okay okay so is this how did you get involved in because obviously people want to do a comic con they obviously have some kind of a love or some kind of a, they've done something before in marketing or pr organizing events how did you personally get involved in this well me and some friends were coming home from a comic convention in 2018 and as we were driving home, we said we should have a Comic Con in Hannibal, Missouri, but keep the you know prices a little lower because um, you know Comic Con tickets can be very expensive, and um, so we just decided to do one, and here we are. 
And that is, I noticed on the website for the whole weekend, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was just, I think it's $30 for the whole weekend pass? Yes, for a weekend pass. So if you want to come just Friday, it's $15. Saturday is 20 But if you buy a weekend pass, you're actually saving $5. It's $30 for the weekend. And then this year, we are going to donate a portion of every ticket or weekend pass sold to a local organization for domestic and sexual violence called Avenues. Very nice. So it always, it's always nice when you know you're helping out a cause while you're enjoying yeah. yourself at a Comic-Con. So that's brilliant. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And so with this, you've got some some guests. You've got coming like Ming Cheng from uh, Comic yeah. Book Men. You've got Felix Silla, who's done, man, up, all the way back to Adam's Family, Buck Rogers, <laughs> Return of the Jedi, animator Tom Cook. You've got voice actor Carrie Means. So what all went into, how did you guys pick and choose who you'd have come to a convention and kind of what fandoms you wanted to tap into? How was that decision made? Well, we also have Mark Dodson coming, so don't yes, forget yes. him. <laughs> yes. Um, so when we first started out, you know, we um, picked some. We picked Bishop Stevens uh, from St. Louis, and he kind of put us in touch with some talent agents to kind of help us figure out who to go with the following year. And we just kind of picked the people that we were interested in, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a great answer. And with obviously, we mentioned at the beginning with, with, with COVID, it knocked 2020 off your schedule. So was it a matter of finding new guests? Were some of these guests ones you had booked in 2020 and they agreed to come back? So, yes. yes. So the, the guests that we have were originally booked for 2020, except for Felix Sela. Um, and we reached out to him just a couple of months ago, and he was more than excited to come visit Hannibal, America's hometown. Because that's that's another cool thing is that you know you're doing a convention at a place that's not it's 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 a great town. Hannibal's historic. It's got a lot of stuff going on, but it's kind of off the beaten path. So it's kind of nice that there is this convention because I'm sure a lot of celebrities are like, hey, this would be kind of cool to kind of explore the city in my off time and see what's going on and a, a new place they yeah. haven't visited. I'm sure they're used to L.A. and Comic Cons in New York, and it's kind of something new for them too. Yes, and so that's another thing we do. We do promote the Hannibal Historic District. You know, Mark Twain um, is very big in this area, and so we uh, kind of plan a couple of small guided tours for our celebrity guests when they do show up. And with, with, uh, obviously, these conventions tend to, as we've seen some of these grassroots ones, they get some legs and they start to grow and grow. Uh, Hannibal has a lot of places. Are you kind of already kind of looking ahead to, okay, if this gets bigger and we get up to 10,000 people, where are we going to go within Hannibal that can handle that crowd? Or have you not crossed that bridge yet? Um, I am in the process of crossing that bridge right now. (laughs) I anticipate our numbers to continue to grow. Sure. And, yeah, we're we're looking at some options uh, going forward, um, but the convention will stay in Hannibal. So... Again, I, I, it, 2020 was just this weird, oddball year <laughs> yeah. for everybody. Was there any hesitation? Like, obviously, you had these people booked. You reached back out to them, and they all said, yep, we're in. Was there any hesitation? Was there any cajoling? Like, hey, we'd, we'd really appreciate if you could come and visit, or were they no. all as starved they for conventions all, as we yeah. are? They were all on board, um, and the closer it got, the more excited they became because, you know, everyone's ready to get back out into convention world.
So this is only your second one, technically. What did you guys learn from the first year that you were able to apply to this new year? What were some of the, obviously it's a steep learning curve when you're doing your first convention and you're running it. Yeah. What were some of the things you learned last year? So we learned uh, the first year that we need a few more volunteers (laughs) um, because we we were overwhelmed by that number. Yeah. Um, Because kids, kids 12 and under are free. So that number I gave you, that's not including kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a, it was overwhelming. We had so many people. So this year we're ramping up on volunteers. We've got more security. We've got people working parking because parking was a problem. We, we just didn't anticipate that. Mm-hmm. Um, worked, working with the handlers uh, that are taking care of the celebrities, um, learned some things along the way about that. Um, so we've got some really good handlers. Uh Really, that's all I can think of. Um, it just it, the first year really went well. Other than the numbers were overwhelming. That is why I chose to do two days this year to kind of split those numbers up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and, with, and whatever we take away from this year, you know, we'll apply to next year. Yeah, exactly right. And obviously, yes. with uh, this this convention being this will be the second year. You've got, as we said, the guests. With uh, the numbers, I know you can't. You, I don't. I don't want you to give me like here are the numbers of tickets we've already pre-sold. But are you on par? Can you tell us? Are you on par to yes. surpass 2019? Yes. Uh, we're yeah, we're we're a little bit ahead of it already. Great, so, and I anticipate that number to grow. That's fantastic. Yes. And real quick, we're going to take yeah. another quick commercial break. And if you if you're if you're okay to stick with us through the commercial break, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. We'll come back. We'll uh, and for those of you listening, we'll give you the website where you can go to purchase tickets, check out the event, and things like that as well. As soon as we come back from this commercial break, so please stand by. Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, Silent Bob. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio, man. This is the only radio show that the guy does Batman Beyond listens to for his geek news. We're back, and one of. Uh, Kevin Smith's comic book men. We mentioned Ming Chen will be at Big River Comic Con. We're currently talking with the owner of Big River Comic Con, Deborah Logue, all about the event. And we mentioned right before we went to break, uh, your numbers are already on par to surpass the numbers you did in 2019, which is great. I didn't know if the uh, you know people are still kind of nervous about going out or not, or if people are anxious to go out. And <laughs> I didn't know how that would affect the numbers, but it sounds like the numbers are on par to do pretty well. Yeah, um, everyone in the Hannibal area, um, they're they're ready to get back out and start living life again. So um, no worries here. <laughs> and I wonder, too, because I know Comic-Cons, people are people are dying for these events. Like I said, people just want to go back so badly. Do you know, have you have, have you been able to track like if like ticket sales, if you see like if people are paying with a credit card, people coming from out of state, like how have you seen how far someone might be coming in, like Arizona or the last we've seen, which is about a week and a half ago, we had purchases from Wisconsin. And when people come to the event, I always like to make sure people either tag the event if they're there taking a picture with somebody. Are you guys on Instagram yeah. or Twitter, any other social media people should tag you or if not, is there a hashtag yeah. that they should be using? Okay, so yes, we are on Instagram. And we do have hashtag BRCC2021. Perfect. And this is going to be an exciting event. So 
Was there anybody who you reached out to who, who you're like already planning like Jack Skellington and Nightmare Before Christmas as soon as Christmas happens or as soon as I should say Halloween happens? He's already planning the next one. Have you already gotten some feelers out for who you might have for 2022? And are you already kind of looking ahead to yes. who might be in, in play? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Um, we're in the process right now, but I can't say. You I understand. Know that. <laughs> no giveaways. And, uh, yeah, so and then uh, we will be coming out with our second comic book um, and the, by December of this year. We created a comic book for the 2020 event, um, and we will be working on the second comic book for the 2020, 2022 events, and it will release uh, by December of this year. And we should mention, too, you know, if you're coming out to see people like Tom Cook, Carrie Means, all these people, like we just mentioned, these these uh, great celebrities, you've got a lot of great vendors who are coming in from different areas, selling comic books, selling toys. Uh, that, so it, it's yes. some people forget it's about the collections that you're getting, too. You're building up your collection. Yes, we've got <clears throat> we've got some people from Lebanon, Missouri coming. I have a gentleman from uh, Kentucky. He's coming. I've got people from Springfield, Illinois. Uh, we, we've got them coming from everywhere. And that's another thing, like every year we change our vendors up. You know, we have a few returning vendors and then we always try to, to keep it fresh with, you know, new vendors coming in. So you'll never see the same thing twice. And one of the things I love most about this is the fact that it's local. I can drive because when I when I go to these conventions, I usually bring a, a empty carry on, so I know I'm going to fill it with stuff that I buy <laughs> while I'm there. This is great because I've got the entire trunk of my car I can fill up now when I come to visit you guys. So this is incredible. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we're not too far from St. Louis. But... That's right. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, if if you haven't been to Hannibal before and you're listening right now, this is a great reason to go to Hannibal because you go to the convention and then go explore the town because it's such a a lovely little place to see right out of history. It really is. It really is. Thank you. Absolutely. And so uh, I guess you, you're working with the Convention and Visitors Bureau as well there to kind of uh, obviously to give the guided tours and everything like that. So I guess they're probably as yeah. excited as you are to have this convention. Yes, they really are. Um, they've been helping promote us and we have been helping to promote the historic downtown area as well. Very nice. It's a nice symbiotic relationship, that then. And uh, we should yeah. mention again, the, the the event itself, Big River Comic Con, April 23rd on a Friday and April 24th on a Saturday. And people can still buy tickets at the door. Let's say they're last minute people like yeah. I sometimes am. That's not a problem? Yeah. Nope, not a problem at all. We are fully staffed for the, the ticket booth. Perfect. Um, anything else you want to mention or plug uh, about the convention itself or anything you want to let people know about? Oh, so um, one other thing on Saturday when uh, Mark Dodson and Felix Silo will be doing their panel, uh, we will have the 501st Legion storming the convention. Nice. Little yeah. Star Wars action going on. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. We're super excited about that to have the 501st there. Very nice. Um, well, I'm very excited. Like I said, this is, this is I think, going to be the very first convention I've been able to attend since February of last year. So this is exciting yeah. that you guys are having this convention. Again, Big River Comic Con. Check them out on Facebook. Uh, the website should be back up soon if you want to purchase your tickets. April 23rd, April 24th. Make your plans now. Deborah Logue, this has been great, very informative. Thank you so much for being on air tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime. Great to talk to you. We're going to take our next commercial break. We're going to come right back and air our interview with the Queen's Gambit actor, Ryan Witchert. So please stand by. 
everybody, this is John Machida Jr., Terrible Testaverde, the Micro Machine Man, also known as Blur. I just want to let you know that you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. John Machida Jr., the Micro Machine Man, Blur from the Transformers, Terrible Testaverde from Saved by the Bell, one of our online interviews. So we do two shows a week. We do the live one here on the Big 550 KHRS. We do one that's strictly online, and you can find all those on geektomeradio.com. And just uh, if, you were, if you're interested in supporting the show, if you go to geektomeradio.com, there's an Amazon affiliate link there. If you click on that link, if you plan to go down Amazon to buy anything, if you're buying dishwasher soap, perfume, a lawnmower, dog biscuits, Funko Pops, whatever you're going to buy, click that little Amazon.com affiliate link and just shop as you normally would. It doesn't change anything for you, but we get a small percentage of that sale. Goes to our account, help to uh, keep the show up and running. So if you could do that, we greatly appreciate it. Check out the website while you're there. Kind of browse around, geek2meradio.com. Huge shout out to Jeff Shelton and Gary Katz for the redesign and making that purr like a kitten. Uh, great Greatly appreciate their help on that. No video tonight. We usually stream this with video on twitch.tv and, of course, facebook.com and youtube.com. My executive producer, Joey V, was visiting relatives tonight, and he's the tech guy. So it's audio only, but hopefully you're enjoying this on the Big 550 KTRS or streaming on ktrs.com slash stream wherever you are listening to it in the world. So this next interview is one that I recorded a while ago. And I've got people coming in and saying, we've got this movie we want to promote. Can we please air this? And I kind of push some of the evergreen ones. I call them back a little bit further. So this is run with actor Ryan Witchard. He's from the Queen's Gambit. He does voiceover work in video games. Fascinating conversation with this guy. Just a phenomenal individual, super nice guy. And we're going to go ahead and roll that interview now. Right now we're talking with actor, writer, performer Ryan Witcher talking about his role in The Queen's Gambit as Hilton Wexler and some of his other work as well. Ryan, how are you? I'm I'm great. How are you today, James? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for the time today. It's always uh, it's always fun to talk to people, especially uh, it, there's that time difference that we had to work out, so it's a little early for me, so hopefully I'm not keeping you too late. <laughs> uh, that's all right. What, what time is that over where you are? It's, it's 9 o'clock and it's on a Sunday, so I, I literally Ooh. normally would be sleeping for another hour because I'm a lazy, <laughs> lazy human being, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon over here. Okay, so you're good. Perfect. <laughs> Do you know what? But during COVID lockdown, like, it doesn't really make a difference. It's Sunday every day. Right. Every day is locked down. Everything's closed. Everything's <laughs> like, what day is it? I don't know. Yeah, it's it is. It's been a very weird year, uh, just with with the lockdown yeah, and kind has. of like keeping track of days. Luckily, I've got a calendar where I have to stay organized. Otherwise, I would literally not know. <laughs> and now I feel with everything going on, I feel like we're literally in the fourteenth month of two thousand twenty. It doesn't feel like it's changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, the beginning of two, 2020 when the whole thing started and everybody was sort of convinced that it would only take a couple of weeks and then everything would be back to normal. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, all right, I'll just buy a bit of toilet paper, stay at home for a week, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be fine. Right. <laughs> Fast forward 12 months and we're like, what is life? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we still here? <laughs> but you, you've actually had a good 2020. The Queen's Gambit came out. Uh, was that affected at all? Were you guys done and wrapped before the pandemic kicked in on this, I take it? Yeah, highly suspicious, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we, 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 <laughs> we, <laughs> very convenient. <laughs> no, we, uh, yeah, we wrapped uh, before um, uh, <laughs> the feces hit the air conditioning. Perfect. And, yeah. uh, Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, so we we wrapped uh, towards the end of two thousand uh, yeah two thousand and nineteen, and then I spent uh, yeah most of 
2020 was sort of spent, well, uh, film work was sort of all right, bits and bobs, um, once all the hygiene rules were, were up and running. And um, spent a lot of time in the um, in, uh, in voiceover studios, recording stuff there, and uh, waiting for The Queen's Gambit to come out, yeah. And it was well received. So many people binged it. Uh, we we blew through it, and we we. I love that there are binge capabilities. But then we have shows like Wandavision, where you're getting it one installment a week, and they did the same thing with Mandalorian. But it was one of those things where, if it's there, we're going to consume it. So we blew through the Queen's Gambit probably, and I want to say like two days. I think we got. Through, oh wow! Which it was just nice. riveting. It was such a good series. So I guess you've gotten a lot of compliments similar to that. Yeah, well, first of all, nobody recognized me because of the haircut. So that was a bit of a right. downer. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> that. You can still enjoy your notoriety, big... though. You can still go to the grocery store. You're not besieged by fans yeah, yet. So that's good. You know what, James? Life hasn't changed too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, it was brilliant. Like, even close friends of mine, they, they sort of. At the beginning, nobody believed me when I said I was in the Queen's Gambit. They were like, where? We didn't see you. I'm like, the guy with the long hair, the speed chest. Benny's basement, like his apartment. And then, like, oh, yeah. A couple of others came up and said, oh, I recognized your voice. And it was, oh, it was great. Right. <laughs> but um, do you know what? To be honest, it was such a wonderful experience, like the um, when 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 the series launched and just sort of because it was such an unexpected hit. Um, it was such an it's sort of like underdog series. And then the the way everybody just loved it and binged it and sort of like started sending messages from from all over the world it it's been it's been a crazy a crazy ride and uh it's always great when you um because you never know how something is going to turn out i mean you read a script and you think oh this is fantastic and then you have a look at the people who are doing it and you're super excited about who's on board and that you're part of it but something can always go wrong and then in the end you watch and you go oh god i shouldn't have done this but <laughs> this was such a, i mean there's literally nothing i would change about it it's such a beautiful story it's done in such a beautiful way um i'm just excited to be part of it and with your scene you're obviously one of the chess pros that uh thomas brody sangster's character brings in to help anya taylor joy's character with the moves and everything like that. One of the questions, because I always think about things like how things are shot. It's one of those, it must have been a bit like fight choreography because you have to move your pieces certain places for the actor to move theirs a certain place to get the desired outcome. I didn't know if there was a lot of, okay, stop, we didn't film that right, go back and you've got to move this piece, you know, you've got to move the bishop to this square here. Mm. Was there a lot of that or was that mostly... Like you guys filmed your acting scenes and then they went back and kind of, okay, now we're going to film the chess boards. Here's where you're moving here. How, how was that shot? Well, obviously I got all my moves, right? So of course. we mainly had to stop for the others. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. There was a lot of, we had chess coaches on set. So we had people who, who prepped the, the scenes with us. Um, who taught us all the moves. Obviously, some of the members of the cast were a bit more experienced with chess. Others, like myself, um, I've never played chess before. So mm. f to, for me, it was sort of a, all right, black and white. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and, um, uh, and um, so for me, it was, but it, it's a bit like, I mean, yeah, it is a bit like a choreography. You remember the moves and then... Um, you just, yeah, you just want to make sure that everything is right. And I remember um, 
Scott being very, very adamant about that everything had to be perfect because we we didn't want to shoot it in a way that didn't do justice to the game. We didn't want to shoot it in a way that was sort of, even if the moves weren't on camera, we still wanted to get them right just to know for, for ourselves and to have that sort of vibe on set that everything is accurate, everything is is correct. We're putting a lot of um, passion into it and we're, we're, we're making sure that the moves are are right but it's it's very like it's tough i mean yeah i have to be honest it's when you're, you're you're trying to focus on the acting you're trying to focus on the other actor the scene what's going the emotional sort of story you're telling and then you, at the same time you're trying to remember 20 moves that you only right. learned like two hours ago and you're like oh my god oh my god oh my god what was this <laughs> That's why I was wondering, like, if it was me, I'd have to, okay, could you put a little number one where I'm moving the first piece to and a number two, almost like a paint-by-number thing to make sure I got that part yeah. right? So I, I, was, be, I was like, really man, that's got to be nerve-wracking. It's like fight choreography. It's brilliant. Yeah, and then at the same time, you have to look very confident because obviously if you're playing a chess player who's uh, he's been doing this for, for many, many years and he's very good at what he does, there's not a lot of room for sort of like, hesitant looks and just like uh. <laughs> right that's gonna <laughs> it give has away. to be bang 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 yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so what was the most challenging but, um, part for you about about filming your scenes was it was it the learning the chess part was it uh some the, something going on on the set what was the most challenging part as far as filming your role as hilton wexler we're gonna get that answer from ryan Witchert right after this you're listening to geek to me radio on the big 550 ktrs Hey guys, this is Michael Rooker, and uh, you're listening to geek to me Radio. Have a good time. Michael Rooker will be in the new James Gunn Suicide Squad. Very excited for this movie. The preview dropped. I've been, uh, I probably watched it at least two dozen times already. Very excited that movies are coming back. If you are anxious to get back out and see a movie, let me tell you the best place to do it. Marcus Theaters, marcustheaters.com. That's Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern bringing you the best movie-going experience. They've opened up now here in St. Louis anyway, seven days a week, which excites me because they were only open, I think, Tuesdays and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Back to seven days a week. The De Pere Marcus Theater just opened up again right there off of 270 and De Pere Road. It's a great time to get out and see movies. Marcus Theaters makes it very easy to do so in a safe way. I know some people are still a little unsure about, well, should we go out and see a movie? They, their cleaning is beyond reproach. They've gone above and beyond the normal standards that are put upon them for having to deal with cleaning right now. Uh, they can make it as contactless as you want. Download the app on your smartphone, the Marcus Theaters app. You can get your ticket right there. Order your concessions. They'll be ready for you when you show up at the theater. They've got little kick plates on the door so you can use your feet if you don't want to touch the surfaces. The seats are sanitized. You pull the little tape back so you know you're the only one sitting there. And just sit back and enjoy a movie. Masks are required when you're in the theater. As long as you're not eating or drinking, you can sit in your seat, take the masks off while you're having your popcorn and soda or your snow caps or whatever it is, your uh, candy of choice. But get out there and see a movie. Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern are making it safe. Go to the website, marcustheaters.com. Find the location closest to you, and then you can also order your tickets on the website if you don't have the app, but I think you should download the app. It's a great little tool, and it's going to help you get out there and see movies again. Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern, the official movie sponsor of Geeks Me Radio for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. Chatting the rest of this hour with actor Ryan Richard, and we'd asked him before 
we took that last break, we'd asked him the question about the hardest part about filming his role in the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I think it's definitely, it, yeah, definitely the moves because you want to, you want to look as comfortable as possible in that world. You you want to, because somebody's been playing chess for such a long time, they don't think about how they're going to pick up the pieces or how they're going, um, how they're going to put them down. It's sort of, it's it's become second second nature, and so that is sort of what you want to, that feeling of of flow and that sort of feeling of, of um, that level of of, of comfort and um, and being comfortable with the game that is what you want to get into your body and that is what you want to sort of have in the scene as a as a foundation and um so i think that was the hardest part to sort of get get that into your system and just trick your mind into not sort of fumbling around with the pieces and going oh how do I, oh god how do i move this and just sort of make it look like i do this every day right and when you're filming these scenes uh, with you know these rapid chess moves, you have to look determined and confident. Any any funny stories or anecdotes you can give uh, from filming that? Yeah, there's actually one story that was um, <laughs> I'm very proud of. <laughs> I um, while we were uh, prepping for the scenes and um, and practicing all the moves, we worked with a professional chess player. So um, a young woman who used to come in and she used to help us with the moves and rehearse and sort of like guide us through um, how, how to do all of this. And um, we we only had sort of a certain amount of moves to to play before we ran out of rehearsed moves. So I remember that in, in one of the scenes while we were filming it, um, I'd run out of moves and she was she was off camera, but she was playing chess with me. And um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I was sort of like thinking, oh, I've run out of moves. And and, and she was saying to me, oh, just keep going, just keep going, just do whatever, just just move move, move the pieces around. And um, so I, that's what I did, just randomly going, like, oh, there's a bishop to here, ooh, I don't know. And at some point, <laughs> I, I accidentally beat her. <laughs> she, she just, she stopped and she looked at me <laughs> and looked at the board, <laughs> looked back up at me and was like, how did you do that? I was like, do what? <laughs> was like, you won. I was like, oh, <laughs> Have I? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, I have no idea. And then she sort of reversed engineered the whole thing. It was like, yeah, you did that and that and that and that. That was really good. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and it was still with so like I, moving uh, the bishops on the diagonals and the knights in their L forms. It was still adhering to that. It wasn't like you were just randomly throwing pieces around. You were actually. Yeah, no, 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 no. I was, I was, uh, yeah. I didn't just sort of like <laughs> go and like kick her. Knock over a king and be like, ha ha ha. No, no, no. It was like within the within the um, agreed parameters of chess. But still, I had no idea what what the sort of consequences were of moving this piece to here, doing this, doing that. And um, so, yeah, I like to call that the uh, the Witcher opening. And um, <laughs> it's now going to be played by chess players everywhere once they go back and oh, watch it, the film. <laughs> James, it is already. It's it's a hashtag. Witcher opening. Uh, <laughs> Well, to make sure we so, put that hashtag when we when we post this interview, we'll put that. Up yeah, and uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've already uh, spoken to Magnus Magnus Carlson about uh, if he's interested in maybe trying it at one of the tournaments. <laughs> good for you, good for you. I think you're, you'll get your due for this, I'm sure. And you've done a lot of stage work. Uh, you train at the Drama Center London. You've done Shakespeare. You've done uh, plays. When you're doing TV, what sensibilities do you kind of bring with you from the stage to doing? TV work because obviously it, it is a different animal, but obviously the underlying aspects are the same. It's still acting, it's still the character work. How, for you personally, does it differ, and what sensibilities from the stage do you bring when you're doing on camera stuff? 
Uh, I think you focus more on the, um, uh, the uh, so for example, the size of the frame is, is is obviously different because you haven't got a frame as such on on stage. So you you want to think about how how you're telling the story in terms of on a level from one to ten where uh, how big everything has to be, how big your movements are, how how um, and how much detail you can work, what what you can express just using your eyes that normally maybe on stage wouldn't be enough because you need to hit the, uh, I don't know, the upper gallery or whatever. And um, people up there are not just going to see a look that you shoot over to your fellow actor. Um, so it sort of gives you a different, it's still the same tools, but you just use them in a different, in a more refined uh, way. Um, so that's really nice. You, you you get to play around with, with the details and you get to play around with the little things that normally on stage would be a bit too small for everybody to notice. So you you sort of have to disregard them going, oh, well, I, I'd like to do this, but I don't think anybody's going to see it. It's not going to, like, no, nobody's going to pick up on it. So to me, that is one of the big differences. In terms of storytelling, it's still, it's still the same. You still want to, you're still telling that story. You're still approaching the character in the same way. And um, it's just the the execution of it that is different. And then, Obviously, you've got the whole technical element um, that you haven't got on on stage. So if if anything goes wrong, that you have to sort of like go back to the beginning, and so you, it's a lot slower. And uh, maintaining your your energy as an actor is is a lot different when you're on a film set as opposed yeah. to when you're on stage. Because on stage, it's sort of you start two hours later, two and a half hours later, that's it, you're done. And on stage, you sort of on, on on set, you have to maintain your energy in a very different way. Yeah, and of course, when you're on stage, too, you kind of you're feeding that energy off the crowd. That live uh, performance, there's there's a I think a heightened adrenaline versus doing uh, on camera stuff. I would think, and there's a lot of actors we've talked to who do both. Say for them, it's it's one of those things they never ever tire of doing live stage performances because it's just it's a feeling unlike any other that you can't replicate when you're doing on camera yeah. film or TV work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, uh, the, the, when you're doing live work, the audience is your, your fellow actor. They're, they're sort of whoever you're on stage with, they're your fellow actors plus the audience. That yeah. is why every show is different because sometimes you, you, you might get an audience in and they're, they're in a really good mood and they're loving it. And that sort of changes the show. And then you've got an audience that is, I don't know, maybe a bit more tired or maybe they've had a hard day, whatever. And um, and that so it makes it into a completely different sort of beast. And um, yeah, that, that is one of the big differences that you're um, plus you can when you're on stage, you tell a you tell the journey of the, of the character chronologically. So you start at the beginning of the play and. Hopefully you remember everything and get, get to the end of it. <laughs> and like there might be chunks you skip. I don't know. We got to get out remix. quicker tonight. Let's let's skip like act two, scene one. Let's just go through that one and just <laughs> move on. Shorten the play down. <laughs> actors sponsored by other actors is kind of a thing I've heard about. You were sponsored mm. by two very, very respected and well-known actors, Judy Dench and Ian McHellen. Talk a little bit about how that happened. Yeah, that's true. I was at the Drama Centre London and um, I could not afford the tuition fees. And um, uh, so I just ran out of money and uh, I was I was really stuck because I was, I was working sort of like I was working in a bar, but it was killing me. I was sort of 
um, at drama school until about nine o'clock in the evening, then hopping over, working behind, a, a work, doing my bar shift until about three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, and then going back to drama school. It was, mm. yeah, it was just pretty pointless. I was just sort of like, oh my God, I'm a zombie. And um, so I decided, right, what can I do? And um, I, I launched this fundraising campaign where I, I wrote, I sent off God knows how many letters to, uh, to famous actors and famous directors, famous producers, so established people in the industry because I thought, do you know what, like, they've, they've got the necessary money to sort of help somebody out. It's not, I wasn't asking for, for loads of money. I was, I, I, I sort of sent a monthly uh, breakdown of all the costs and exactly how much money I, I would need to get me through uh, drama school. And because uh, living in London is quite expensive, as you know. Oh, and sure, um, yeah. and I sent, sent off all these letters and I didn't hear back for weeks and weeks and weeks and was like, oh, no, I spent so much money on stamps. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> and, <laughs> I could have eaten. And, um, and, then, <laughs> uh, and then weeks and weeks and weeks sort of like passed. And I came home one evening and I found... Uh, and I like the, the poshest looking letter was in my letterbox. Uh, it was like it had a, a watermark on it. And, and I was like, oh, wow, what is this? And I opened it and uh, the letterhead was from Ian McKellen. Hmm. And um, and it was a very, very, uh, very nice, nicely worded letter about how um, he would like to help and that he hoped the enclosed is some encouragement to continue and the enclosed was was uh, a check and um and I, I i i just cried and i i was i was hard, like i couldn't believe what was happening i was like oh wow and then slowly bit by bit other letters sort of started coming back and and another one of them was uh, from from judy dench hmm. And um, I just think it's extraordinary. And to this day, I mean, we stayed in touch afterwards and I, I thanked them. I think I just got on their nerves by thanking them so much. Um, I just couldn't believe their generosity and their kindness. But it's, um, uh, yeah, so it's something that I, I want to do later on uh, once I've achieved that level of sort of, uh, once I'm that established. I think it's very important to help out and to give back and, uh so at the moment, what I'm doing is I, I choose sort of four younger actors per year and I sort of mentor, uh, mentor them um, with their CVs, with photos, with this, with that, with casting applications, mm. recording self-tapes, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really important to do that kind of stuff in this industry. I mean, not just this industry anyway. And so you said it was a nice check and a very nice envelope from Ian McKellen was Dame Judy Dench. Did she send it was like unmarked bills in a, in a manila envelope, kind of smelt of cigarette smoke and whiskey. I feel like it, he's a harder person to. Uh... <laughs> well, it was weird when she called me and said, meet me under this bridge. I was like, what's happening? Why right. does she want to meet me at midnight under a bridge? But, you know, it's Judy Dench. So I was like, all right, I'll go along. And then, yeah. <laughs> very cloak and dagger judy dench i can see it yeah. <laughs> judy too has very has a very nice envelope <laughs> seems to be the thing to have posh posh uh, stationery <laughs> i think i think we're getting into weird territory we talked about Witcher's opening now we're talking about judy dench's envelope i think we need to uh, maybe segue here <laughs> But that, that's so much money involved as well. That's very cool, though. That I mean, uh, like you said, they they gave back. They probably were where you were, and now that you're giving back too, I think that's a that's a great story. The whole thing, it's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks.
And then uh, obviously talking about more to explore video games, you do voice work and that before we started broad or broadcast, before we started recording, you were saying you're in your voice studio right now. Uh, yeah. And there's that's one of the great things about the technology we have where now you can literally record your parts, send it to a game developing studio in Los Angeles in the blink of an eye. You don't have to travel for this anymore, which is especially good during pandemic. How have you found voiceover for video game experience to be? We're going to get that answer from Ryan Witchert right after this. Please stand by. Hello, hello, hello. This is Lucy Davis. I play Etta Candy in Wonder Woman, and this is Geek to Me Radio. Come and listen. We're very, very nice. Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau, our premier sponsor. You know the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. Check them out. Make sure you visit there. It's a great place to visit. The weather is starting to turn, and it's so beautiful out today. Uh, Hopefully you got out and had some fun outdoors. City of St. Charles and the downtown St. Charles area, especially with Frontier Park. You can bike ride the Katy Trail, take your dog out and play Frisbee. Lots of things to see and do. There's all sorts of great eateries up and down the street. Go to the website and check it out now. If you're from out of town, plan a trip. Things are starting to open back up. Hopefully we're seeing the light at the end of the COVID tunnel. Maybe you want to get out and explore someplace new. City of St. Charles is a great place to explore. Plan your trip. If you're from out of town, find a place to stay. Kind of get your list together of what you want to see and do while you're there. Do it all from the website, discoverstcharles.com. Discoverstcharles.com, as we always say here, it's an historically Good time. Right before we took that last break, we we're talking with Ryan Wichert all about uh, what he has seen as far as how voice acting has changed. Uh, I p- personally, I I love it because it's uh, it's such a different kind of work that I. Do you know what? Like, I mean, there are people out there who want to put labels on actors and be like, oh, he's a voice actor. He's he's a, a stage actor. He's a film actor. Oh, he does this. He does that. And um, I've never been a fan of that because I think. At the end of the day, you're using your voice to tell a story. You're using your body to tell a story. At the end of the day, it's it's about the story you're telling. And if you're telling that story on Netflix or if you're telling that story on stage or if you're telling a story in, in a video game, um, that is what I care about. And if I have the skills necessary to, to tell that story, then that's great. If I can tell it just using my voice, then so be it. If I need to, to rock up because they need to, I don't know, stick loads of stuff on me and we're doing uh, motion capture, then that is that particular type of work. And with voice work, what I love so much about it is that it's um, all rules are off. Like you can go as big as you want for characters. You can uh, bring all the crazy ideas to the table. It's a very relaxed working environment. So it's normally, I mean, during the pandemic, it's me in my voiceover studio. But normally you go to a studio, everybody's chilled out. Everybody just wants to have a good time. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I love that kind of work. Plus, um, I can play parts that I would normally never be cast as sure. as an actor because of visual appearances. And so, um, I don't know, I can get away with uh, playing, playing a tiny little frog. <laughs> uh, I would normally maybe, I don't know, maybe I... Maybe I could get cast as a frog, but... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. And we talked about with Queen's Gambit, you were not a chess player going in, so video game voiceover. Not that it's required, obviously, but are you much of a gamer? Uh, I Oh, God, I used to be. 
I, I used to be in the Naya to stop for, because uh, <laughs> otherwise, I'd, I think my life would have taken a different turn. <laughs> a little, little a bit of an addiction was, going? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> I was, uh, I was into, into a lot of Counter-Strike. Uh, okay. That was sort of, that was my, uh, my, 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 my preferred poison. And um, I just remember there being a lot of nights where I used to stay up until, I don't know, like five o'clock in the morning mm. and then uh, wandering off to school at seven in the morning. <laughs> be like, yeah. How am I still awake? <laughs> and uh, coming home, <laughs> going straight back online. And um, yeah, so at some point I decided maybe it's not for me. Maybe, maybe I'm not strong enough. <laughs> One of the games that you're pleased about, I saw in one of your other interviews, is a game called Say No More, which I found, once you described it, very fascinating. How was it, uh, how did you find this game to audition for the, for the part? How did you get the part? And what drew you to it so much? Um, I didn't actually audition for it. They they approached me and asked me whether I wanted to be be part of this. And I um, I immediately fell in love with it because I, I love the concept behind the game. So it's a uh, it's a one button. <laughs> it's a very it's sort of like a retro. It's not a shoot 'em up. It's a no 'em up. It's all <laughs> about the power of the word no. And uh, so you have to yeah you're 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 a worker in this office and uh, everything's terrible. All your colleagues come up to you and everybody wants something from you. Everybody's placing. Uh, their demands on you and you get me a coffee, do this, do the paperwork. And you have to learn to say no. And so you can, um, in, in, in various different ways, various different intensities, uh, you say no to people. You say no more. And um, what what was so great about this game was that the uh, the people behind it, they they were just completely bonkers. And you could just offer whatever you wanted to do. I think they had to record like 200 different characters. Ooh. And so the more you could bring to the table, the better. I mean, I was cast, so the, the main part for me <laughs> is the manager. But, um, but then there's like, I think about 20 or 25 other little characters that I play. Um, where, where he, at the end of the session, he, he would just ask me sort of like, oh, can, can you do any other voices? And I'd be like, well, like, uh, maybe what, what about this guy? This guy could be somebody, could he not? <laughs> like, yeah, I think we've got somebody later on in the game. Yeah, it could be him. And then you'd sort of just do that. And I'd be like, anything else? Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody who talks a bit like this? And we'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's get him in, him in as well. And uh, so there was utterly... And there was no sense of structure, uh, so that's always good. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we, we just recorded until until the studio decided to kick us out. <laughs> and I guess now they have to have a sequel for Improvers called Yes And, where it's just you saying yes all the time. <laughs> It'll be the follow-up game. <laughs> for all the people out there who hate the naysayers. Right, exactly. <laughs> It's a, it's a gold mine. Yes. There's all these games we can come up with now. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Even though, like, just the game where you walk around saying maybe to sure. people. That'd be very tempting. Maybe. It's a very indecisive <laughs> game. You don't have to play if you don't yeah, want to. <laughs> do, you, do you like the game? Uh, maybe. <laughs> They've got the point down. That's good. <laughs> and with, with now we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel from the lockdowns. Do you have any other projects that I'm not sure, you know, some you can't talk about or not, but is there anything coming up? Uh, in this year that you're looking forward to? Uh, yeah, well, I've just been cast in a US-UK feature film called Spencer, um, which uh, 
is uh, it's got um, Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana. Oh wow! And uh, so, yeah, so that is uh, that is shooting uh, pretty much now. I'm I'm I start in a couple of days on on that, and um, that's something I'm very excited about. And then I've got a couple of short films. Uh, some uh, towards the end of last year, I I was offered two um, uh, uh, two one take films. So it was it was the first time I've done any of these, and for some reason they both popped up at the same time. One is a comedy, one is a tragedy, sort of drama thing, and um, uh, both are ten minute one take short films. So um, uh, that that was that was really interesting to do. So they're coming out pretty soon. And then, um, yeah, I've just been I've just been asked whether I want to host a science and um, yeah, sort of like a science YouTube channel. So it's a bit like, do you know, do you remember MythBusters? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it's very similar to that. So just sort of like, um, yeah, very much looking forward to, to detonating things, reverse engineering stuff, and just uh, yeah, blowing things up and uh, other people filming it. And uh, so obviously with the uh, with the Queen's Gambit, a lot of really cool auditions have come my way as well. So I've just uh, had a couple of um, auditions for, for really exciting stuff that unfortunately I can't talk about, sure. uh, which is always a great sentence, isn't it? Really yeah. big news <laughs> that I can't share. <laughs> it's a teaser. We get those all the time. It's fine. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> and um, but yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the outcome uh, from from those things. And then mainly waiting to maybe at some point hop back on stage because uh, I'm, uh, I'm normally part of a, a live theatre sitcom over here in Berlin. Uh, so it's been going for, for 16 years. Wow. Um, I've, I've been part of it for two years, yeah. And it's sort of like, yeah, it's a sitcom, but live on stage. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's completely bonkers. It's four different actors and they play all the parts. So there's a lot of quick costume changes, a lot of wig acting uh fake facial hair a lot of a lot of improv when things go wrong and things things definitely go wrong um yeah and uh it's uh, and so it's like a continuous storyline it's been going on for 16 years people love it it's really it's really well known over here in berlin it's really popular um but obviously at the moment well not too much right that's going to do it for us. Another show in the books. My thanks once again to Deborah Logue of Big River Comic Con and, of course, to Ryan Wittrick for his time chatting with us. Until next week, my friends. This is James Enstall, host of geek to me Radio, and I have a mission for you. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The next time you want to buy something from Amazon, go to geek2meradio.com first and click our Amazon affiliate link. Simply shop like you normally would, and when you check out, a small percentage will go to supporting the show. So remember, the next time you want to search Amazon for the latest Game of Thrones Blu-ray or Sonic Screwdriver, Allons-y! click through from geek 2 first. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds.